Leah, I know how much you love spending time with the Lord throughout the day. Talk to me about the scene when you're spending time with the Lord. Yes, so my morning, I wake up, I hit brew on my coffee, and then the next thing I do is I light my candles. It sets a whole morning vibe for me. Mm, talk to me about the, the candle that you're loving right so now. So right now I'm digging this Spirit and Truth candle that is sunflower. It has a whole like summer to fall scent to it. I love it. Mm. And I love that Spirit and Truth candles each are created with a biblical attribute or truth with an accompanying scripture. Sunflower is gentleness and I'm just digging it. But I love even more that each one of these candles is made at home, poured in small batches with care and prayer in each candle they make. Oh man, so listen ladies, if you love candles as much as we do, check out Spirit and Truth Company at spiritandtruthco.com or you can find them on their IG handle at Spirit and Truth Candle Co. And right now you can purchase with the promo code TUCW, which gives you 15% off. So enjoy your candles, y'all. Ladies, welcome to the Urban Christian Woman podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for their everyday lives. I'm Tashiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross, and we're your hosts. This is season four. This season, we've got some exciting things in store. So join us as we study God's word, celebrate women living faithfully on mission, and dive into cultural issues through a biblical lens. You ready, Tashiba? Oh yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's Let's go. What's up, ladies? Welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman podcast. We are in deep in Genesis. In Genesis, we are. This week, we're in Genesis 5 and 6. And Tashiba and I are just continuing to be like deeply transformed by the book of Genesis. Am I right, Tashiba? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have not done a deep dive like this before in Genesis and just allowing the Holy Spirit to not only uh, inform the scriptures, but also like operate in tandem to reveal things within my own heart um, through the story of God and the story of the world. So Genesis 1 through 11 has been just, yeah, blessing my whole life and also challenging me Mm -hmm. um, towards, yeah, pursuing and loving God Mm -hmm. and walking with him more. So yeah, it really has. Yeah, yeah. We're jumping right in today to Genesis 5 and 6, and it is going to be the beginning of the Noah narrative or the what some people would call the Noahic covenant. This passage focuses on the genealogy leading up to Noah and illustrates how drastic the wickedness is in all the earth to which the Lord was compelled to respond. So right in, we're just digging in. And in Genesis 5, we're going to see the genealogy of the seed. As you guys have been following us through the podcast, we've talked about the, right in Genesis, we see that um, there is this seed that is uh, continuing to be uh, spoken of and alluded to, which we know will be Christ. But 
all of these individuals in the narrative are pointing us and moving us towards that point of full redemption where Christ Mm -hmm. will bring um, man back in right standing with God. So we'll see the genealogy of the seed in Genesis 5. And then in Genesis 6, we're going to engage in the beginning of Noah's story. So Leah, talk to us about the key takeaway. Yeah, so I know we're going to be looking at Noah for the next couple of chapters. Um, But even in this section, Noah is not the main character. The main character is always God. Um, Come on. mm -hmm, Just a reminder. Um, And so because... Listen, because we see that God is holy in this passage, in these chapters, um, we see that the response to God's holiness, like he has to respond out of his holiness. And the response here is a decreation and yet a preservation through this seed, through this seed. And what is um, like one of the things that we, that, honestly, for me, have been like really mind-blowing is seeing mm-hmm. these overarching themes. You know, we talked about these theological themes, not to throw out fancy words, but, you know, we see creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And in that pattern of creation, we also see through that, that this here story is a decreation. It's a reversal, a backwards movement through the um, rhythm of creation for a reason, for um, because of God's holiness and his need to respond to sin. So that's sort of our big takeaway is looking at this decreation that happens and the preservation through the seed. And so when we look at this, we're looking at our key players next. Who are the key players, Toshiba? Yeah, yeah, right in our observations. We're going to see that the key players are, of course, God himself. Um, And then we will begin to see the descendants of Adam all the way through Noah. You will directly see that in Genesis 5. I mean, it's a whole chapter. Um, Some of those key figures that I really want us to point out in chapter 5 are really focused on Seth. Adam, um, Seth being the son of Adam um, is going to be this, what we call the Sethite line. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but we'll see Seth, we'll see Enoch, we will see Noah, and then we will see Noah's three sons come on the scene, which are Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then right um, in chapter six, uh, we'll, we'll, Uh, go into the chapter and we will see this narrative um, of unrighteousness around these individuals called the sons of God and the daughters of men. Um, And then the rest of the narrative is going to be about Noah. And so what's going on in the text, Leah? Take us us there and jump us right in. What's, What's popping off? Yeah. So what's popping off right away is this genealogy. So we start out in five with uh, from Adam to Noah, and anytime the um, anytime in the Bible, like there's just like okay, there's narrative, and then we stop, and there's a genealogy. Is sort of like the intermission, right? The transition. We're transitioning. We're flashing forward all yeah. these generations to land with Noah, and usually whoever whoever we land with at the end of the genealogy, there's a there's a whole story that pops off from that person, um, and we see that true with uh, beginning with Adam and ending with Noah. 
Um, so that so that's what we see just starting right out the gate in, in chapter five. And then um, you know, amid this, amidst what is this, you know, just ratchet sinfulness of humanity. Right, right. Ratchet. God ratchet. gives a glimpse of redeeming individuals who please him to echo this seed, right? This promise of this seed who will redeem all mankind and bring God's creation to complete rest through consummation. Um and uh, restoration. And so then we also see played out these parallel narratives. We highlighted mm-hmm. this a little bit in chapter four. This was mind boggling to me. I know. By the way, I was. don't even know if I, I, I'm telling you, I know. I yeah. have not seen this in the text before. So, right. Yes. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. But it's a whole thing. When, when it cracked open, it was just like, oh my gosh, I see it everywhere. Once it cracked open, you're like, I see it. I can see. <laughs> I can see it. But right, yeah. so we have, we have Cain and he uh, begins this, this generation, this unrighteous line. And then we see, um, you know, Seth, because Abel was killed, this, this uh, righteous line. And so we see these parallel narratives of uh, righteous line and unrighteous line. And we see this played out through Noah. Uh, Noah represents the righteous line. And then as we talk about uh, this, this uh, unrighteous seed that comes from the sons of God and the daughters of man in six, uh, we see that sort of paralleling the unrighteous line. So we have that repeated sort of pattern in this narrative of the unrighteous line mm-hmm. and the righteous line um, mm-hmm. diverging, if you will. So, yeah, um, yeah. And then we see, of course, Leah, this uh, when this is taking place, because we are in five and we're looking at his descendants, um, we can um, s- definitely know that we are east of Eden. However, we are several generations. We we, we, we in a fast Eden. lane. <laughs> <laughs> we we sped forward. Fast we line. Sped forward. Mm-hmm. Mo- Moses Moses had us uh, speeding fast and forward mm-hmm. a little bit on the film uh, on the film reel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're several several generations east of Eden. And then where is this taking place? It's taking place. East of Eden, Mm -hmm. east of Eden. Mm -hmm. So why, why, you know, we talked about this in the previous episode and it's going to continue where, I mean, it's, it's uh, nothing new that we have not talked about, but this is really taking place because Moses is writing to Israel and Israel at the end of Deuteronomy is coming out of wandering 40 years and going into the promised land that was proclaimed by God through Moses. So when going into, to the, land, to the promised land that they have been promised through God, who's given them this land, they have to go in and possess it. And when they possess the land, he wants them, God wants them to know that they are set apart and chosen by him. And not just at the very point that they're entering into the promised land, but that they've always been set apart and chosen by God. And so he wants to reveal this to them Um, as well as to others, um, that the one true God, Yahweh, is the one God to be worshipped. And so as they're entering into this promised land, they're going to run into other uh, people groups and other nations. And so he wants them to know, uh, those, those same people and nations to know the one true God, Yahweh. And so... 
Yeah. What are some of these key verses from chapter five and chapter you know, six? You know us, we're always like, how can you pick just one? <laughs> like, I know, how can I know. You just one? How um, can you have just one? But in, in chapter five, our key verse is uh, verses 28 and 29. Mm-hmm. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and the painful toil of our hands. Mm -hmm. And we landed on that as the key verse because it is the shadow glimpse of, again, this promise of a seed and out of the ground, right? Out of of the material that was cursed Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. this this fruit of a rest, like right relief from from work and the painful toil of our hands. And so it is this shadow, this glimpse of the seed. Noah gives... Um, he enacts this role, but ultimately we know that this is a shadow of Christ who is to come. So when we right, are looking right. at the text, you're looking at glimpses or the shadow of where Christ shows up in the Old Testament. This yeah. Here, babies. This is that's one it. That's it. Pow, 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 yeah, pow. So that's, so that's um, for chapter five. And then for chapter six, uh, we landed on verses five through seven, which says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I had made them. And we wanted to really highlight this as the key verse because yeah. it's uh, showing us, I mean, we're, when we look at this closely, we that's how we identify that this is a decreation narrative. Mm-hmm. Because one, it is, you know, God talking about the grief towards uh, the humankind and the wickedness that's in Mm -hmm. his creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then also, ladies, like, let's look at the fact that, like, even the way that he um, speaks of wiping out from the face of the earth, he goes, humankind, animals, birds, creatures that move along the ground. It's like a reverse mode of the way that creation came, right? The order in which the creation order happened. So that's how we get to the decreation um, Mm -hmm. and being able to identify it as such. So yeah, so those were our uh, key verses. And then when we're talking about our key words, Mm -hmm. family, um, covenant, the phrase covenant first shows up here in this um, Noah narrative. And this Mm -hmm. is the first covenant that God speaks out loud to his people. He speaks to Noah. um, And this covenant is this divine assurance that God Mm -hmm. will accomplish his purpose for creation and Mm -hmm. redemption by working through the means of creation to Mm -hmm. establish his kingdom on earth. So he makes this covenant with Noah um, Mm -hmm. and it's a sign and a symbol of his faithfulness, which we'll get to see his display of that covenant uh, mm-hmm. in this episode. But Toshiba, you also mentioned righteousness as a key word. And yeah. do you want to flesh that out for us? We see the word righteous in chapter six in regards to Noah in verse nine, that it says that Noah was a righteous man. And so we see this word righteous. What is righteous? Um, what makes Noah so distinctive and different from all these other individuals who are pursuing wickedness. Um, And the definition of righteous means to act in accord 
with divine or moral law. And so that gives us a, a, a glimpse into what set Noah apart. Noah was acting in accordance with God's divine and moral law. He even walks with God. It even talks about in verse nine that he was blameless. He was blameless in his generation because this generation was just pursuing evil continually and wickedness. We're going to look and see how Noah lives out a righteous life. And um, we are able to glean principially from, from that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking yeah. of lived, uh, let's jump into our repeated words. We see, uh, especially in the genealogy, on repeat, lived, fathered, died, lived, fathered, died. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are repeated throughout the genealogy. We see sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, All these sons and daughters. People having babies. They having babies. They having many, many babies. Many, okay. many babies. Uh, and then we see this, this phrase, the sons of God, the phrase daughters of man, um, the repetition of the word earth, uh, and then corrupt or corrupted. So those are your repeated words, giving you a sense of what we're looking at and shaping the themes. Um, yeah. And so jump, let's jump into the attributes of God. Where do we see the attributes of God in this text? And how do we yeah. see God highlighted? Yeah, yeah, right into the attributes of God. We see God as creator um, in chapter five, verse one. And what do we know um, in regards to God's attribute as creator? He is the creator and he's the author of all things visible and invisible. And in chapter five, we see right at the beginning, hey, I just want to remind you that um, when God created man, he made him in his likeness. And so this is on repeat because it needs to be remembered mm-hmm. to the people of Israel as well as to us. And so we see God as creator. We also see in um, chapter six, verse three, that God is holy. God is holy. Um, looking at six, three, it says, then the Lord got, then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. And so we see this separation between um, the spirit and the flesh. And that is a sign because God is holy. Mm -hmm. He is undefiled and unable to be in the presence of defilement. He is sacred and set apart. So we see a a echo of that in creation and Mm -hmm. him identifying um, who his creation is supposed to be. We also see that God is just in verses six and seven, that God governs in perfect justice. He acts in accordance with justice. In him, there is no wrongdoing. So we see when we get to chapter six, verse seven, it says, so the Lord God said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I have made them. This is pointing to uh, the justice of God and that God is just when man is uh, pursuing wickedness and evil continually, there is a response from a holy, mm-hmm. perfect, undefiled uh, God. Because just like we said previously, God is holy. And so because of that undefilement um, and things that are not holy are unable to be in the presence of God. And then we see that God is faithful in uh, verse eight of chapter six. He, God is incapable of anything but fidelity. He is loyal. He's devoted to his plan and purpose, which is why we see Noah being found favor in the favor in the eyes of the Lord, because God um, is faithful to his 
uh, original plan, which is how we get to our last attribute of God, that God is sovereign. And we see that um, because God's design and plan all the way from the beginning of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and so on and so forth, it's not going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's eternal. This this list of the attributes of God could have kept going on and on, but I really landed on sovereign directly because of verse 613 that says, um, I got to find it right here, 613. And God said to Noah, I have determined that mm-hmm. word, a determined, that speaks to the sovereignty of God, that God is Lord. And that means that he has authority, control, yeah. and covenantal presence over everything yeah. that he created. And then mm-hmm. finally, we see that God is love. He embodies mm-hmm. love. And in verse 18, in verse 18, he says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you. We see the love of God, that God is eternally, enduringly, steadfastly loving and affectionate, and he does not betray his covenant of love. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, those are those are the attributes yeah. we could have we could have probably added so many more, you know. But these were the key ones. Yeah, no, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I think about how important it is for us to remember God's love and justice together, because I think sometimes we can almost shirk from His justice, right? Because like it's kind of uncomfortable. Absolutely, it's a real, real assurance, particularly for those of us that are suffering. And listen, if you're women of color, you didn't see some things, you know. And it's mm-hmm. a, a reminder that God is yeah. just and he will do yeah. wickedness in the earth is uh, such a sweet affirmation. And his yeah. love is so inextricably bound up in that. And so, yeah, I and I would. Yeah, and I would say not just for women of color, but any woman who has seen injustice yeah. at the hands right. of that's right of ungodly, you know, mm-hmm. of ungodliness. You know what I'm saying? Like there is this real tangible reality that they are not apart from one another. Yes, that's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, so take us through these themes, Leah. Talk to me. Talk to me. What we what we jumping off with in Genesis chapter five? Yes, five. At you, girl. Yeah, jumping off with five. Remember that our themes are these threads of scripture, right? So we these are the things that Moses is trying to make sure the people hear and understand uh, through what is preserved here. And so jumping off with five is this genealogy. You mm-hmm. know there's gems in the genealogy. You know gems. there's gems. Gems. Um, when we look at this genealogy uh, in five, we see this rhythm and cadence, right? And so even just in... Um, as I was studying like about genealogies, the way that they're even structured is to sort of have this rhythm and cadence, but you're supposed to look out for the place where the beat syncopates a little bit. You know what I mean? Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like this is this rhythm. A little offbeat. It's a little off. And then something goes a little, something goes a little off, right? Um, but often a good way, like picking up, right? And so mm. uh, here that's found in the seventh generation with Enoch. Uh, because, you know, it's going on about like so-and-so lived and fathered and died, lived and fathered and died. And then we get to Enoch and he <laughs> uh, was 65, when he lived 65 years old, he fathered so-and-so. He walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So mm. we're going through this genealogy of 
he fathered so and so and he died. He fathered so and so and he died. And then we get to Enoch, and it's like Enoch walked with God and he was not for God. Yeah, sake. yeah, and yeah. Like, whoa, 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 wait. So yeah. he didn't. He it doesn't it doesn't follow the same pattern of you know he lived, he fathered, he died. Uh, mm-hmm. And so what's different about where we land with Enoch in this genealogy? Uh, he just it just says he was not. Uh, and so what does that imply? Well, it points to this desire of God's heart that like when, 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 we're felt, when we got fellowship with God, this fellowship, this type of fellowship that Enoch has, it's like he had such sweet fellowship with God that we see that he entered into rest from mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. and that death is actually an interruption, mm-hmm. but not actually the final say right, for those right. who walk with God, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even in the place that, even in the intentionality of where Enoch falls, that he's the seventh listed Generation. in this genealogy. And yep. that seven uh, biblically symbolizes this completion. This rest, the seventh this, day. The seventh yeah. day. Yeah. Even the seventh day symbolizing rest. Seventh like day. Enoch uh-huh. is the completion of God's design for us is that we would enter into full and complete rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we get a glimpse of through Enoch. And mm-hmm. the genealogy ends with Noah um, and his sons, which leads into this decreation narrative um, mm-hmm. in, in six, right? But before, we jump, but before we jump into the decreation, we almost have this like set the stage, right? In six, right. eight. Right. And, and the stage is, is pretty ratchet. <laughs> it's such, listen, it's such... A ratchet like prelude. It's a it's a prelude. It's, it's a, a prelude. prelude. It's a ratchet prelude. It's a ratchet prelude, y'all. Y'all ever have a ratchet prelude in your life? Because oh is- my gosh, oh my gosh. So it's just a ratchet prelude. And right in Genesis six one through eight, we are going to see this theme of how sin is a super spreader. Mm-hmm. It is just a straight super spreader. Super spreader, man. Yes, we see how the the pattern of how sin spreads is repeated in this unholy union between the sons of God and the daughters of men. And right on verse two, you'll see it. It says, and they took right at the end, it says, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. Mm. Any they chose. So we're going to see, of course, the, the the pattern of sin again, just like we talked about in chapters three and four. Mm-hmm. There's this there's this seeing, there's mm-hmm. this desire through how they were these women were attractive, and then they took, and then they took. And the key here is that they did take. What did they take? They took any that they chose. Mm-hmm. And why is this evil? It takes us right back to the to the uh to the Genesis uh uh creation story with Adam and Eve. When you are choosing and things become desirous to the eyes, right? And you took it just like Eve chose. It's mm-hmm. she thought that it would make her wise. It mm-hmm. is taking the wisdom of of oneself over mm-hmm. the wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. And, and not and not and not regarding the limitations, right? The and not embracing the limitations. I feel like every episode we've so far we've talked about the boundaries and the limitations from God being a good thing. Yes. And 
in, okay, so I feel like we here, we have to even just really explain like the sons of God and the daughters of man is an echo to this righteous and this unrighteous line. And a lot of people have different uh, interpretations, particularly this passage is difficult. I just want to leave space for the fact that it is a challenging yeah. passage. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we know uh, that there is this righteous and unrighteous line. Um and the fact that this is re- that this group is referred to as the sons of God indicates that this may be the righteous line, right? We're talking about the righteous line, the Sethite line, as we said, and the daughters of man as the unrighteous line, um, descendants through Cain. And so you have already God saying like, you know, here's the difference between righteous and unrighteous and mm-hmm. do not intermingle with unrighteous. Yes, and, and Leah, yes, they say that boundary is not good. We're gonna it's not good based on, yeah. but she's fine. So yeah. her, I want, and yeah. then you know, and then what? Yeah, is yeah, and I, I definitely, I'm glad that you sort of uh, parked there a little bit because I know um, we talked about this even as we read, and I read it in particular. I'm looking at these names, and the names are similar. Right. When you start Mm. going into the Sethite line, the names are similar Mm -hmm. to the Canaanite line. And so you have to be able to differentiate and pick up on the nuance that the names are the same, but the lines are different. So some of the names are Mm -hmm. going to be um, uh, the same, but they're two different lines. And so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you really like parked there and were able to work through that. And so in the midst of sin running rapid, God does set that limit and um, and he even sets a limit to number man's days because his spirit is holy and flesh is corrupt. We see that in verse three. In verse three, it says, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. So God is fully aware of what is taking place. And because he is holy, he is saying, not so, not so, not mm-hmm. so. This is this is no bueno. This is no good. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, we see this, this, the spirit being holy and the flesh being corrupt. And so he's saying it cannot abide forever. And where we see in chapter five, where people's days are like 800 and 995. God is minimizing. He yeah. is minimizing that time to 120 years. Mm-hmm. And so Moses and is... I, we were even talking about how this echoes like even just the themes all the way in Romans where like this, the flesh and the spirit are always at war with each other. They have opposite desires. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. And God is like, listen, like if that's going to always be the case, since that's always going to be the case, let's let's just draw a limit here. We're not going to do, we're not going to drag that out 895 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 120 and that's enough. Absolutely. 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 So Moses is given this mini origin story of these legendary violent men, the Nephilim, and they were big and they were violent and they were known for that. Mm-hmm. They were known for that. Right. And so in light of all of the wickedness, we get a glimpse of God's heart with strong language that it says in verses six and seven, it says, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now, I know how this can be mm-hmm. taken and internalized. Like, wait a minute, God is regretting. We have to keep in mind that 
um, this language that we are talking about, it is not implying that God had changed his mind. It is pointing us to something that we can't even fully just grasp yeah. in our human yeah. mind because really what it's pointing to is how grieved God was. Deep, deep Towards sorrow. Me. Deep, deep sorrow. And even when I'm saying deep, deep sorrow, that's still not enough. That's not enough. It's not enough to understand how grieved God was at the incessant Mm -hmm. wickedness Mm -hmm. that man was pursuing over and over and over constantly. That it even says that, right? It says the intention of the hearts of his heart were only evil continually mm-hmm. in, in verse five. And so we see that it's not that God has changed his mind. It's a level of deep sorrow that transcends, um, that we can even wrap around our minds. And it's pointing us back towards who God is. God is holy, yeah. set apart, and, and undefilement cannot dwell in his presence. Yeah. But what can dwell in his presence is someone who is pure and contrite and pursuing righteousness. And that's what we're going to see. And so it doesn't end there. Even in the sorrow, there's a seed yeah. and an exception and enter stage left, right. metaphorically, mm-hmm. Noah. And Noah is finding favor in the eyes of the Lord. Ladies, we're kicking off this season studying Genesis 1 through 11 and wanted to tell you about a great resource that you can use along with the podcast. Y'all, we are dropping a study guide just for you called In the Beginning. It's a great companion as you journey through the book of Genesis chapters 1 through 11 with us. You can access this free online download on our website, theurbanchristianwoman.com under resources. And sharing is caring. Use this guide and tell a friend or get a group of ladies in your local church and go through Genesis 1 through 11 with them too. We'd love to get this resource as well in the hands of more urban women. Ladies, please support us by leaving an iTunes review, hitting those stars, and tag us. Just tag us on your social media as you're growing in God's word with us and even using the resource. And let us know how it's blessing you. You can find us online at theurbanchristianwoman.com, on social media at theurbanchristianwoman. Even drop us a line, a DM, an email. Anything, girl. Anything. Yeah. Or if you're on Facebook, you can also leave us a message there as well. Just let us know how the ministry as well as the resource is blessing you. Enter stage left, metaphorically, Mm -hmm. Noah, and Noah is finding favor in the eyes of the Lord, which to me is like, how does Noah find favor? Yeah. It's what we, from what we see in the text before this, there is nothing that implies that Noah is, is it has some magic dust, right. quote unquote, right. or that he's, you know, um, or that, that he's, he's already somehow like performed. Like, yeah, that he's, po- that his works mm-hmm. are saving him in mm-hmm. any shape, form, or fashion. Come on now, somebody. Okay, but what we're finding is that God has set his heart towards Noah 
And God is going to use Noah in his eyes. And so we jump right into Genesis um, chapter six, going into verses nine and 22. And Leah, talk to us uh, a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, Noah, like we said, like he's not... Do he didn't? We don't even have really like any evidence of him like doing anything to sort of have this like righteous definition or whatever to have this this label of righteousness on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in nine, it, it, the text says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and the mm-hmm. only active thing that we see, like active verb, passive the only on, active thing on. we see is that Noah walked with God. And, and so Leah, the fellowship. Girl, let me let me just because when you went, I knew that you were gonna bring this out. Yeah. The only thing that was known. And look at what we even it points back even yeah. to what God is trying to highlight. Yeah. Because in Genesis 5, what is repeated about Enoch? Walked with God. Ooh-wee. Keep going. I just which, had to drop that. Which Oh my gosh, you're about to blow up the podcast right now because Enoch walked with God and he was not, right? Like he experienced rest. And we have Noah, which is the seed that shadows the rest that is to come. And what is the similarity? This intimate fellowship, walking with God. (laughs) We're wilding out here because it is so... So good to just see so good. that, like that fellowship, that walked with God, that intimacy, the the, <sighs> the design of the garden, okay? the design of the garden that, they, that Adam and Eve were supposed to be walking. God walked with them in the garden. Yes, the intimacy, the fellowship. I was mm. <laughs> so. <laughs> I didn't tell her as we were, I didn't even tell her about that as we were planning our notes because I needed to lobby it to her in real time, in real time, because God wanted to illumine that. Yes, that is so, so good. That is Mm -hmm. so, so good. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so we see Noah as a shadow of this seed to come and the seed provides that rest. Yes. I'll have to laps on that later. Just for the record, there will be laughs. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Some yes. this is this is the this is the truth of like our black faith tradition that we it's so difficult to move <laughs> forward because when the Holy Spirit illumines something, you be like, let me sit there and oh, run. Stop. Praise break. <laughs> Come on. Actually, praise break is what it is. We might have to put a praise break right here. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Ooh-wee. Okay. All right. Back mm-hmm. from the praise break. <laughs> back, back, back from the praise break. Hit it. Hit it. So uh, the backdrop at the jump off of this flood is violence, corruption. Um, and so God determines to use this supernatural move of the natural elements, this flood to destroy all flesh in which mm-hmm. is the breath of life, everything that is on the earth, he says in verse 14. Um, but in the midst of that, right, in the midst of, of this plan sort of jumping off, God stops here to speak a covenant to Noah, this covenant of preservation, um, 
so consistent with just God's faithfulness so far, right? Yeah. Like he's, yeah. He has to deal, he's just and he's holy. And so he has to deal with sin um, and he will preserve a seed for redemption. Um, mm-hmm. As we've seen even so far in the short history of humanity, he preserves a seed for redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get, um, right, like this, this speaking of this covenant um, mm-hmm. and Toshiba, you were just talking about just the, the way that um, God phrases his covenant, I will establish in verse 18, my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wives and your son's wives with you. And yeah, like what did that illuminate Yeah, Yeah, it, 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 it showed me that, you know, it just pointed to the truth that God is establishing and he is initiating with his people first. He did it from the beginning of creation. It is no different now in the space of redemption. When we are, um, when we are, be, when we are engaging in redemption, in the redemptive work of mm-hmm. what God is doing, he is always initiating. We are not pursuing him. Right. First, it's a response. We're responding out of what he has already initiated. And that even just points to the fact that like the the reason why that is, is because God is holy. Mm -hmm. We keep going back to that. He is perfect, complete, Mm self-sufficient, self-existent. And so he is the only one who can initiate Mm -hmm. a redemptive work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so his invitation, not only to uh, put his favor on Noah, but his invitation for Noah and his family to come into the ark is that initiation. Yes. Um, And like you say, the redemptive work, right, Mm -hmm. uh, is is the recreation that is to come. Right. God tells Noah, you know, and his sons and their wives that they'll be preserved from yep. this flood, from this deluge, yep. um, as well as every male and female of each animal. Uh, so he speaks about this preservation, this recreation, mm-hmm. and the recreation after the decreation, to me, I'm like, that's a move of redemption. Yes, you it know? is. Yes, it is. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think you're right. Like the covenant really says that God initiates all of this. And yes. then the response to God's covenant, uh, to God's act of love. Come on. His obedience. His obedience. His righteous obedience. Like, like his, the, the, the fact that Noah, he, he did everything. I think that's what it. That's what he says in 22. That's how we end. That's how we end. That's he how we end this. chapter six. He did all that God commanded. Commanded him. And he that's after the covenant was initiated. And, it was mm. it was like, okay, this is my move out of this moment. Yes. And, the, and as, as God is always present and seeking to move in our lives, he is, he could force us to respond, yeah. but he mm-hmm. wants us to choose to respond. Mm-hmm. That is the beauty of being made in his image and, and a byproduct of the garden is that yeah. we are choosing to love him. And the way that we love him is to pursue mm-hmm. obedience through all that he commands. And so that's I so love nice. that that's the way that 20, you know, chapter six um, closes us out is, and Noah did all that he commanded. Mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. he commanded him. And so how then should we live in light of this? I mean, we, know, you know, we know all of these things. We understand. We see the attributes on display. We see the genealogy as it is to be instructive that sin is the super spreader in six, that Noah is a shadow of the seed to come. And what Noah, uh, uh, what Noah principally reveals to us as uh, followers mm-hmm. of Yahweh. So how then should we live in light of this, Leah? Wh- who do we see Christ as? Where do we see the, yeah. the shadow of Christ yeah. in this text? Walk yeah. us through that. I mean, we see, like, we've sort of been able to pull out these shadows of Christ throughout. Um, and we know because we get the whole text you know Come what I'm on. saying? We get the we beginning need. and the end of the story. Oh, glory. You can see that Christ is the fulfillment yes. of all of these glimpses of the glimpses of the seed, glimpses yeah. of the covenant, glimpses yeah. of the righteousness, glimpses mm-hmm. of the rest. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of these things that we see in this passage, we're like, oh, yo, these are shadows mm-hmm. and Christ is the fulfillment. So we see him in the text because we see the imperfect shadows, right? We see the initiation of these things that will be made fully complete in Jesus Glory. And Glory. so that is, that's, that's the beauty of looking uh, just with the lenses of Christ at the Old Testament. You see these things that were, uh, you know, just really put in place from the beginning that Christ says, no, I came to make perfect and make complete. So, mm, yeah, mm, I mean, mm. kind of going from that place, like then what is our response, right? What are the implications spiritually for us to share? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think some spiritual implications here are that because God is holy, Sin cannot abide in his presence. And so when we lean into our flesh and its desires, God is not only grieved, but his very personhood Mm -hmm. has to blot out what is not good and what is not just. Mm -hmm. Because he he can he cannot in his in his in his triuneness, Mm -hmm. he, he cannot embody that. Mm-hmm. And so um, because we see because God is holy, sin cannot abide in his presence. And then we also see um, as a spiritual implication that God's covenant is unbreakable. Mm-hmm. My goodness, God's covenant is unbreakable and it's unchangeable. Mm-hmm. Just like I love how the Jesus Storybook Bible articulates this mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And that's what came to my heart and mind as I was uh, studying Genesis five and six, that uh, God's covenant love, it's a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. And Mm -hmm. so do we remind ourselves and rehearse God's covenants in our lives? Covenants keep us rooted in times of trials and tribulations. That's just the facts. That's big facts. And this is one of the covenants of scripture. The Noahic covenant is a covenant that we should be rehearsing Mm -hmm. to keep us rooted Mm -hmm. as we uh, encounter times of trial and tribulation and not just trial and tribulation, but directly because of the premise behind the Noahic covenant, it is rooted in sin. Mm-hmm. And so when we find ourselves in patterns of sin, mm-hmm. we can go to the Noahic covenant mm-hmm. to point us towards how God 
feels, how God is mm-hmm. responding towards our sin. Mm-hmm. It is not that he is trying to shame us, but he is allowing us to see him and say, I am holy. And in yeah. my presence, uh, I can sin cannot dwell. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, I think that those are just two huge key key uh key assets and i want to go back to just the the element of the covenant like there is this um ultimate and 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 uh just dealing with sin and there is a preservation that is communicated in the covenant that those who are found within the covenant will not be destroyed Come so on. God deals with sin in our lives, but he has covenanted that yes. he will not destroy us, okay? Yes, yes. He will deal with sin. And it may feel like destruction at times yes. because when all the stuff falls apart, but if his promises are true and if his covenant is true, we Absolutely. will not be utterly destroyed. Absolutely. We are found in him. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, which is what which is why we have an example in Noah. Yeah. Because Noah found favor. Yeah. Right. That's why we have Enoch as an example, right? Mm -hmm. And even before then, we can see prior to sin, Eve Mm -hmm. and Adam um, responding in that light. And then I, I, you know, I think about these implications personally that the pattern of sin is the same every time. We keep talking about this, but the pattern of sin is the same yeah. every time. And so let that be a, a form of instruction to our own hearts to, today that uh, that the see, desire, and take is not something of old, but that it is a broken record that is on repeat mm-hmm. until the day of Jesus comes back and he mm-hmm. returns for his bride. Mm-hmm. And so because we know that the pattern of sin is the same every time, we can allow that to be an instruction. And um, when our sin is illumined by God, do we view our sin as grieving God or do we deny him and his invitation as the sons and the sons of God and the daughters of men did, right? Mm-hmm. Do when these points come of temptation, when we see the temptation for sin and God is illuminating that, are we viewing our sin as grieving God or do we deny him the invitation? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that's huge. And Mm -hmm. then Leah, talk talk us through um, a, a few more personal implications. So, I mean... We like we really talked about the covenant a lot already, but I think just some of the personal implications from the covenant as well is that um, God's grace, right? Like receiving God's favor Mm -hmm. is not initiated by us and it's not because of anything that we've done to deserve it. And so just that reminder of like being positioned and postured in God's favor and God's grace Mm -hmm. um, is initiated by him alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not what we deserve. And so mm-hmm. our response out of that is is what, right? Is our response to God's act of great grace in choosing to put his favor uh, and his love on us. Is it this, this same response of Noah, right? Righteousness, obedience, um, doing what, God's, what God commanded uh, mm-hmm. and following through. Is that our response? You know, mm-hmm. get, like, mm-hmm. look at the example of Noah And we say when God extends his grace and his favor to us, his protection and provision 
uh, do we respond by walking out obedience? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And so those are some personal implications for us. I think implications socially and culturally. Um, I think a lot about, man, this union stuff between the sons of God and the daughters of man mm-hmm. and like how they just did not exercise any discernment around these unions. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter six describes the destructive yeah. result of this unholy union driven yeah. by the attractiveness. Yeah, talk the, about the it. Talk fleshly, about it. The fleshly desire uh, that was not rooted in any type of righteousness from these people, uh, mm-hmm. those that descended from, you know what I'm saying, Cain, yeah. were not, yeah. mm-hmm. were not, they weren't the righteous line. And yet, right. it was like, okay, this desire, this attractiveness is what is what drew um, the sons of God, the righteous line to, um, you know, really compromise and have this unholy union. So, yeah. Yeah, Leah. So I'm thinking about, even as you're saying that, in light of what is taking place in American Christian evangelicalism, right? I know that we have sisters uh, who Mm -hmm. live in the city with us uh, who are not women of color. Uh, Some of them may be women of color who have grown up in American Christian evangelicalism. And what we're seeing over this past like year and a half, two years, there's been so much happening within the body of Christ. Christ, but uh, uh, some some people have been listening to podcasts around issues uh, and 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 almost like profile studies of um, uh, uh, pastoral churches and all those things around attractiveness mm-hmm. and attraction. And I think that this is something to really instruct our own hearts and almost a, a an, an awareness and a warning that yeah. Christ is. I mean that the Holy Spirit is inviting us into that when we see attraction being the motivation for what allows us to join a church mm-hmm. or the attraction Ooh. of, come on now, I'm about to go mm-hmm. in here. You understand mm-hmm. where I'm going. Mm-hmm. The attraction of uh, the friends that we choose because I'm, I'm cute and my style is cute. So I need to be rocking with people who got cute styles like me. Okay, mm-hmm. come on now. Mm-hmm. All of these things, attraction uh, can be uh, uh, a a place of, I don't want, I don't want to say it, it definitely is going to be a place of bondage, but also to understand that like God is making the, uh, the awareness and the, He's he's allowing the light to be shown on attraction, so that we can understand our human hearts and what our flesh goes towards, right? right? Which is a pointing back towards uh, the pattern of Mm -hmm. how sin forms, which Mm -hmm. is this seed, this desire, and then Mm -hmm. we take. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I just want to exhort women as we're thinking uh, about who we are in union and fellowship with, yeah. that uh, everybody should not look like us, have the same style as us. Uh, uh, what what are you attracted to? Be aware of those things yeah. Yeah. because that is a part of the flesh mm-hmm. and being able to align that with the truth of what God desires and right. delights in. Right, right. And so, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I think you're right on. It's like we have this opportunity to follow uh, what seems desirous to us um, or follow God's blueprint for how and with whom to form these unions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and again, like with the result of these unions, 
this unholy union that we're seeing in this passage, right? Mm-hmm. You've got this multiplied violence that yeah. even even are, uh, produce a people that um, are are just large and violent, right? And yeah, so yeah. Like these Nephilim are like, you know, where are we seeing spiritual Nephilim in our lives? <laughs> large and violent uh, product uh-huh. of an unholy of an unrighteous union, of a union that was outside of God's good design for us, whatever relationship that might be, your relationship with your church, like you said, your relationship with your ambition, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your significant other, Come on. those things, spiritual if they are not within the bounds that God says, no, this is good. This is what I want for you. Yep. We all have spiritual Nephilims walking around here. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and and then some of the the uh, the last social and cultural implication. Man, I mean, I just want to park right there with you, mm-hmm. but I cannot with that with that nugget because we could have went even deeper. That's right. But that redemption is intended for the embodied creation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even as we're talking, we gotta about end on a note of redemption. Things. We gotta end on a note of redemption. <laughs> Go for it. Take us to the cross, Lord. Take us to the cross like the back church. We're going to end on the cross, okay? But redemption is intended for the embodied creation. Mm -hmm. Recreation points to redemption coming through creation. And so we work out God's kingdom with the earth Mm -hmm. and the animals and humankind because that points to God's plan. And so we're, we're seeing our work being made manifest through redemption. And I think that that's something that we can really lean into socially and culturally, that these things are not to be separated and apart from each other. But when we're looking back at redemption and recreation, that Mm -hmm. God's desire is for for these things to be worked out in his kingdom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So where where are the spaces? I think that's the question that I sort of want women to lean into. Mm-hmm. Where are the spaces where God is saying, I, I'm, in, I, I, I'm inviting you yes. like Noah to work out kingdom mm-hmm. on earth right mm-hmm. here. Maybe mm-hmm. that's for you if you're a, a, a full-time work-in-the-home mom, a stay-at-home mom. It, maybe it's in the grassroots of not just uh, gathering your children, but when children in your neighborhood are coming from the body, how are you gathering those? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in in the classrooms, in, um, in, margin, uh, in margin spaces where you see single mothers and teen mothers, you know, mm-hmm. that's a huge part and passion for me as I was a teen mom. So, you know, like we work out God's kingdom with the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so solid. We got to end there, y'all, because there's nothing else to say. Everybody is being sent out with some homework, a holy commissioning. A holy commissioning. And knowing that his covenant is set on you because you're walking with him. Yes. Come on now. Yeah, let me pray for us. Lord, you're good. Um, You've given Mm -hmm. us so much richness, so many um, just yes. from your word. And so yes. we come to you and just say thank you. Thank you thank for you, your Lord. faithfulness. Thank you thank for you, your Lord. instruction. Thank you thank for you, your God. kindness, for yes, your covenant yes, of Lord. love and compassion yes, over yes, us. Lord. Thank you for your commissioning for us yes, to Lord. take uh, redemption into this embodied mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. work redemption in our mm-hmm. physical spaces and places and assets and relationships where you have us. Let that be the commissioning. Let that be the fire of our hearts. Yes, we go out um, to wherever you call us and for your glory. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day, ladies.